Praise God. Well, praise the Lord. So glad you're here in the middle of winter. Enjoying the wonderful, wonderful weather that we're having. Praise God. It's such a privilege to be here at Valley Church. I don't know if you realize it, but you have got the most fantastic staff of pastors and helpers here. Just unbelievable. Praise God. And the fact that we have Valley School of Supernatural Ministry and VCA and Monday night healing rooms and breakthrough ministries on Tuesdays and Thursdays, thanks to Lena and Wednesday morning prayer meetings. You know, if you're missing Wednesday morning prayer meetings, you're really missing it. But uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, VCA, that Pastor Tim is the principal of, there's a kindergarten class right up there, and the kindergarten teacher, uh, Miss Lori, teaches them to be very respectful and, and uh, careful when they walk around the building because this is the house of God. Amen? And I'm glad that we're teaching our children to respect the house of God. But when they come downstairs, they come down the stairs over here, and my office is just inside that door. And my office door was open one day when the children were walking by, and I heard a little girl look in and see me, kind of dressed like I am now, and she says, is that God? <laughs> the house of God. <laughs> Praise God. Pastor Tim, thank you for your introduction, and, and uh, Pastor Tim mentioned that we are living in an unusual time, and before I begin speaking today, I would like to know, because this message is for these people that I'm about to call out, how many people do we have here who are heads of households, both men and women? You're a head of a household. Let's see the hands. You're a head of a household, both men and women. Because we have lots of women that are heads of household. Look around the building here. See how many people are raising their hands. Court Jackson, did you raise your hand, Jackson? Yeah, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, this message is for you. And obviously anybody who is concerned about living for the Lord. <clears throat> I don't know how many of you... Uh, lived in a different culture, but I lived in a different culture. I lived last century. I was born last century. And things were different. They were different last century than they were this century. But uh, one thing that I learned at a very young age is that living on a farm 30 miles from a big city and in the middle of Tornado Alley, you learn very quickly that you are to be prepared. I want everybody to say with me, be prepared. Ready? Be prepared. Okay. So uh, in, in that part of the country where uh, the four-corner area where Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, and Nebraska come together, it's a very interesting area to, to live because of all the storms. And you kind of anticipate that sometime in December, you're going to get dumped on. Uh, when Kathy and I decided one year that we were going to take our little family back there and let them see what farm life was like, we had a baby that was just born, and uh, it snowed so deep that we were snowed in for about five days. 
So if you're going to be snowed in for about five days, you better be what? Prepared. And uh, I was so glad that uh, my dad had left us a a generator that we could hook up to a tractor and plug in to generate electricity for the whole farm. And I wish I would have had Jackson with me because I hooked up the generator to the main panel and turned it on, and all of a sudden all the bulbs went pop, 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 pop. Whoops. I wasn't prepared to how to run that generator. I was hooked up everything to 220 instead of 110. So, Jackson, where were you 50 years ago? It's like, okay. And then I can remember as a a child, a a young person, uh, my dad running into the house and saying, to the basement, to the basement. And I thought, what's going on? And just as we got down into the basement, we always went to the southeast corner, the southwest corner of the basement. And there we hid under a stairwell. And then the most amazing roar I have ever heard came right over our farm. What was it? Why were we in the southwest corner? Because tornadoes in that part of the country come from the southwest toward the northeast. And if something's going to get carried away, you want it to carry it away from you rather than on you. So, sometimes we're prepared, but sometimes we need to expect the unexpected. Let me say it again. Sometimes we need to expect the unexpected. Even though we knew that tornadoes would come through that area, you didn't always know when. Here is a classic case of expecting the unexpected. About 20 years ago, we had a birthday party for our son. He and his Air Force friends were stationed at Mountain Home Air Force Base. And uh, it was September 9th. It was his birthday. And we had a bunch of Air Force guys there, and, and we were having a great time together and celebrating birthday. And I heard these young people, these young pilots and weapons officers saying, you know, we're probably the first generation of American Air Force people that will never have to go to war. It was September 9th, 2001. What happened two days later? 9-1-1. It was one of the most tragic things that had ever happened in our nation. And I knew immediately that Mountain Home Air Force Base was the one base that would be called up immediately to answer in response to that attack. It wasn't expected that we have enemies that would come against us, but sometimes things happen that are unexpected, but still happened. And it was amazing, you would find it amazing that Pastor Kathy and I sat by our phone knowing that Mountain Home Air Force Base would be the first to go. Finally, two days after 9-11, we got a phone call, and our son said, all I can tell you is we're leaving. Watch the 5 o'clock news. We turned on the 5 o'clock news, and there was a camera showing four B-1 bombers taking off and a bunch of F-15s taking off from Mountain Home Air Force Base. 
And what a feeling that was in our hearts to know that our son was the pilot of one of those planes. Imagine what you go through when you see your child leaving for war and then not hearing for some time. So that sets the stage for our message today, and that is what I heard in the Spirit just a few days ago when I was praying about this message. I heard these words, preparation, preparation, preparation. And then it was like in the background, there was an echo that said, battle stations. An echo in my spirit that said, battle stations. So in my spirit, I really felt the Lord was saying, okay, so your Supreme Court made three decisions in the last few weeks that seems to be very beneficial to Christian teaching, Christian thought, Christian community. Christian culture, but the battle is just now beginning. And that's why I think in the background I heard the voice, battle stations, battle stations. The key here for this message, prepare, 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 battle stations, is the nature of the attack is not as important as the response to the attack. The nature of the attack is not as important as our response to the attack. So, are we prepared for battle? Are we, are we intelligent beings that understand that Jesus taught us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves? In other words, very shrewd in our approach to things. Uh, I'm so thankful that Wednesday night, Pastor Rutzen is bringing a message here to the adult Bible class. We love the Rutzens. Amen? And Pastor Rutzen and I have discussed over the years, when will the Jesus be coming back? What will be the signs of his, of his coming? Well, on Wednesday night Bible studies that, uh, that I've been holding, Pastor Matthew's been doing fire starters, but I've been doing... Uh, another series. And last week, I asked them to fill out a survey of 13 things that are happening in our nation, in our world right now. Which of those 13 things are a high priority to you as an individual and to us as a church? What are those, what are those 13 things are the highest priorities? And you know, the, the average answer came back, 11 of those 13 are the highest priorities. In other words, there's never been a time, not in my lifetime anyway, where we've had so many social issues going on at the same time. And the question is, what is the response of the church to those social issues? Battle stations. Battle stations. We're going to read some scriptures to set the stage for what our response should be. First of all, Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. And uh, Hannah is up in the booth tonight or today. All right. We're going to go and we're going to read some scriptures here. This is Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. And I love to hear the rustling of the pages. It sounds a whole lot better than turning on your iPhones, okay? 
Because when you're reading scriptures, many times the Holy Spirit will start speaking to you about the scriptures before and behind. We always look at scriptures in context. That's the way it should be. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the what? Of his might. And in the power of his might. Does it say in the power of Tim Fish? Even though he's a fantastic brother in the Lord and is doing a fantastic job of working with Pastor Matthew to lead our men's ministry, praise God for Pastor Matthew and Tim Fish. Can I hear an amen? Okay, but as we read this, wait a minute here. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. In other words, our source comes from capital H-I-M, Jesus. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against, I want you to say those words with me, stand against the wiles of the devil. So we're here we are. We're here to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now our society right now is saying, you know, we need to you know, have war with one another. We don't like your position and you don't like our position. So I'm going to put you down. I'm going to call you names. Is anybody hearing those things today? It's like, wow. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. What age? Okay, now this was, right, this was written 2,000 years ago, so it pertained to this age. Does it pertain to today? Yes. This age? Amen. Thank you, Brother Ron. That was a good yes. Against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to what? Having done all, stand. Now, to me, having done all means that I've made preparation. You know, Proverbs talks about consider the ant, thou sluggard. Well, I mentioned those huge snowstorms that we had back in Iowa. My parents were always trying to be prepared. Uh, When we finally got rid of the old farmhouse and built a new house with a basement, uh, my dad put a bunch of lumber in the basement. And I said, what's that for? And he says, well, your mother wants a cupboard that is 14 feet long, four feet deep, and has doors on front and back. What's that for? And he says, you'll find out. Just build it. And the next thing I know, mom and dad are coming back with a truckload of food, And it's my job to unload all that food into those cupboards and the back doors. And every time they bring food in, to load it from the back doors and push it forward. So we always were prepared, no matter what. That was preparation. So, having done all to stand, there's things that we need to do to prepare. Because there are sometimes we need to expect the unexpected. John 10.10, Jesus is describing himself as the good shepherd and then describes the enemy. 
We hear 10.10 a lot, but we don't hear uh, the verse that follows that. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Okay. I have come that your storehouse will be full. If you prepare spiritually, because there are some things that are coming that are unexpected. Well, and then 10.16, Matthew 10.16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but be ye therefore wise as... Wait a minute. You mean Jesus used a serpent as an example? I mean, all through the Bible, the serpent is the devil, right? But be as wise as the devil? No, that's not what it means. Parenthetically, be as wise as a serpent... In other words, be shrewd. Be shrewd. Be aware of your circumstances. Be aware of what's happening around you. And harmless as doves. So that when these situations come, we react like a dove. Like love. This is not the first time that We've had tremendous things going on socially in our nation. Uh, did any of you live in the 70s? Anybody? Oh, hands went up. Tim, you lived in the 70s? Okay. Now, for those of you that went around in last century in the 70s, it was at the end of the Vietnam War. There were street riots, and there were some shootings on campus at Kent State, and, and, uh, and it was just it was a horrible time society-wise, and as being young pastors in, in Indianapolis, uh, we, did, uh, we did a lot of campus ministry and working with the youth on campus, but it was, it was a very severe time where there was a lot of things that, not, that were not dissimilar to what's happening today. But what we have to remember is that in the 70s, Does anybody recall what happened in the 70s that had spiritual influence? There was a decision that was made in the 70s that was a very difficult decision for us as a nation spiritually. But in the midst of that decision, there was also something that happened that came out of the hippie movement. What was it called? The Jesus Movement. And with the Jesus Movement became great revivals on campuses. And it was exciting to see that in the midst of this such and sudden darkness, there was sudden light that was being shed abroad. And having worked with the campus ministry, uh, I was excited to get to, I heard a story about something going on in South Bend, Indiana. So I made a special trip up to South Bend, Indiana. There's a, there's a special campus in South Bend. Does anybody know what, what, what it is? We don't know? What campus is in South Bend, Indiana? Notre Dame. So I heard that something was going on at Notre Dame University. So I walked in. I heard that something was going on in this little chapel in the corner of Notre Dame, and I walked in, and there in this chapel 
the, out, the outpoint of the Holy Spirit was going on, and there were people that were prophesying, there were people that were speaking in tongues, there were people that, you know, priests that were, one priest was talking to another priest, and they were preaching to one another, probably in Latin, I'm not sure what it was, but the power of the Holy Ghost was so strong there that that was part of one of the things that happened in the 70s. It was a renewal of the Holy Spirit within the Catholic Church, and it spread into many others, many other denominations as well. Praise God. And that's why today uh, I, I was excited to visit a uh, church in Abilene, Texas, that uh, was a Baptocostal church. 4,000 people. It's a Baptocostal church. And the lady who spoke uh, before we were there uh, was one of the ladies that is so famous because of all the missionary work she does in Mozambique. What is her name? Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker had been there just a week before. So it's a Baptocostal church. So praise God, things, some really good things came out of the 70s. But there was one thing that came out of the 70s that was not good. It seemed like people were so excited about what was going on to try to bring back America out of Vietnam and that the Jesus movement was just taking off and there was a lot of teaching. But some of the teaching was we live in a dark era. Maybe we need to just go live in a cave somewhere. Let's withdraw. And some, some of that happened. But what was bad about that time is that sometimes Christians withdrew too much. And have you ever heard somebody like Lance Wall now talk about the seven mountains of society? And what happened was, for somehow, some way, a lot of Christians kind of backed off from participating in those seven mountains. For those of you that don't recall, the seven mountains are family, religion, education, media, entertainment, business, and government. And I praise God for those Christians that are wanting to get back in and step back into those seven mountains and have an influence in those seven mountains. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Government is no exception. You know, I prayed hard, Lord, do you want me to be involved in government? And the answer was, yes, I want you to experience government. So I was in Idaho government for 16 years, and I was in government in Washington, D.C., and education in Washington, D.C. for four years. So I've seen firsthand how things happen in government. I've also seen what happened uh, firsthand in education. I think I've told some of you that uh, many years ago here, when I was a state official here in Idaho, that they asked me to be on the state textbook adoption committee for history books. And when I got the history book, they gave me three or four history books to review. The first one I opened up had one half page on George Washington and two and a half pages on Marilyn Monroe. Okay, what's wrong with this? Okay? So, I'm here to tell you, church, those seven mountains, there are people right now that are saying, oh, don't let the Christians get back in there because they'll bring their culture with them. We don't like that Christian culture. We want to do our own thing. Well... Let's take a look at some of the principles that Jesus taught us about prepare, prepare, prepare. First of all, it's very important that we look at what's going on in society today from this side of the cross. 
this side of the cross is different from that side of the cross. That side of the cross was the Old Testament in which we were instructed what sin is. This side of the cross is Jesus saying, I came to do away with all that. To, you know, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to complete the law. And I came here to bring peace. I came here to bring honor. I came here to bring healing. I came here to bring grace. I came here to bring renewal to the earth. Praise God. So, I'm going to list a few things here, some scriptural and uh, some that I'm just an observation from someone who's worked in government and been a pastor for many years. First of all, God is not the author of confusion. For you that are making notes, God is not the author of confusion. If you have confusion around you, you better get back to the source. If there's confusion around you, move away from that which is causing confusion and move back to that what brings you peace. God is not the author of confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. What brings confusion into the church today is people listening to the world rather than the oracles of God. What are we listening to? Right now, there's rampant philosophies since the, since the Supreme Court made three major decisions in the last few weeks. There are rampant philosophies that are being perpetrated on the Internet and in news programs. Praise God. You know why God created an off switch? Okay, enough said on that. Next item, because time is fleeting here. Next time, what is the next thing we should consider in being prepared, prepared, prepared? Read the red letters. I challenge you, church, take your Bible, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, make sure it's a red letter edition. I challenge you to read all four of the Gospels and don't read anything but the red letters. Wow, Pastor Rich, that's that's ungodly. No, what are the red letters? The words of Jesus. Woo! It will set you free. I challenge you to do that. Sit down and just read the chapter after chapter and just read the red letters, the words of Jesus, and contemplate on the words of Jesus and think and meditate on the things of Jesus. Praise God. Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us how to pray to keep in line with heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What did Jesus come to do? To teach us to plug into heaven and follow heaven's direction rather than man's direction. Hallelujah. Matthew 6.33, but seek first, what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, listen carefully. I don't want to offend anybody, but here we go. Sometimes when you preach, you offend. If we didn't offend once in a while, we're not preaching. Here we go. Come on, Pastor Tim. you got to say amen to that. It's like, okay. Here we go. Sometimes we get so taken up with trying to see into the future that we forget to commune with him who holds the future. 
Well, we lose sight of the first things first, which means we've lost sight of our first love. You know, I, I, I love science. I've taught science. I've been a science teacher. Uh, I've worked on NASA projects. I've been on just about every NASA base there is. I've worked with a lot of NASA people. But I've never seen it as, as, as it is today where there are so many people whose attention is, we've got to get out there further. We've got to get out there further. You know, I, I, I really enjoy the pictures that are coming in from outer space. But you know why there's billions and billions and billions of dollars being spent in, in that kind of research? Rather than spending billions about how we can improve life here and change culture here. Billions of dollars to try to find out, how did it all begin? If we can get a telescope that's big enough that we can see how it began in the future, that's what we need to do. Okay, that's an idolatry. And if I had more time, I'd talk more about that. <clears throat> know from whom you were taught. That's the next one. Know from whom you were taught. This is from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4 and then 10 through 15. This is Paul writing to Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. Starting with verse 1. Now, I want you to hear these words and put yourself in the shoes of Timothy. But I know this, that in the last days... When are the last days? Every generation is experiencing last days. Every generation from the time of Christ has experienced last days. But we are living in the what? In our generation, these are the last days. But this, know this, in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. It's amazing what we're living in right now. There are people that are calling good bad and bad good. It's amazing how many people are speaking up against Christians saying Christians are the problem. Remember in 1936, there was somebody in Europe that said the Jews are the problem. Be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. And I say to all of my Christian brothers and sisters, please do not deny the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. He said, I must go away so that I can send the Holy Spirit, and he will lead and guide you into all truth. And we need more truth today than ever before. Verse 10 from 2 Timothy 3, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord, what? Delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Now, wait a minute, Pastor Rich. Pastor Christie, last week, Pastor Christie Brodine, last week, 
preached one of the greatest messages on joy I've ever heard. Scripture after scripture after scripture and tied them together so beautifully. Go back and listen to that before you listen to this message again. It sets up this message beautifully. Okay? But one of the things that we are guaranteed of is that if you're a Christian, you're going to be guaranteed of some persecution. So be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. It's going to happen. Verse 13, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things from which you learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Well, I, I, get, I get all my teaching from CBN. Oh, good. I hope you get it from CBN. There are some people that get it from CNN. CBN is Christian Broadcasting Network. Okay. There's some good things there. And from which you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith through Christ Jesus. Notice it says through childhood. Pastor Tim, you and Ezzy are doing fantastic because God has called you to minister to our children. I love it when Pastor Tim says, there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Praise God. I think we need to hear it for Pastor Tim and Ezzy, you know, doing all that they do. Praise God. Lord, bless you mightily. Pray for them. Pray for them. Now here's, wow, time is going quickly. Uh, the enemy uses diversionary tactics. What is a diversionary tactic? Tactic, You know, when you're in war, when you're carrying on a battle, you try to divert the enemy into doing something else other than attacking you. Okay? Uh, one of the greatest uh, examples of that was in World War II, uh, the British Isles thought that the, that the Germans were going to attack London. So what did they do? They went into North England along the coast, and they made balloons of tanks and trucks and planes and blew them up so when the Germans would fly over, overhead, they would say, oh, look at all those planes and tanks. And Okay, that is a diversionary tactic to divert you away. But the enemy is an expert at diversionary tactic because he's been watching you for thousands of years. Oh, what, 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 what diverts him? You know, how many of you laugh when somebody says, squirrel? That's a diversionary tactic. Well, there's some diversionary tactics that the enemy is unleashing right now. And I'm going to point out some of these. First of all, Isaiah 8, verses 8 through 18. Wow, maybe you've never read this before. For the Lord spoke thus to me with a strong hand. What does that mean? Pay attention. And instructed me that I should not walk in the way of the people, saying, Do not say a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats. In other words, way back in Isaiah, the Lord's saying, don't get caught up with conspiracies because it draws you away. Check the source. And then it goes on to say, nor be afraid of their threats. If a conspiracy is really a threat to you, what do you do? Do not be afraid of it, nor be troubled. Now, here it is. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. 
So when, the, when all the noise comes in from all over the world, and some of it, you, what do we make of this and what do we make of that? Go back to the Lord. Check the source. What does the Lord say about this? Don't let it take you away. That is a diversionary tactic. Another diversionary tactic is false accusations. Read Nehemiah chapters 5 and 6. Nehemiah had come back from captivity, and the Lord had told him to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. And there were people called Sanballat and some others that, that you know, Hey, Nehemiah, we're going to tell you that you are in trouble because what you're doing is not in agreement with the king that sent you here. Okay, what was that? That's false accusations. Read Nehemiah 5 and 6, and you'll see accusation after accusation after accusation. And this is what Nehemiah had to respond to. This is Nehemiah 6, verse 11 through 14. And I said, should a man such as I flee? Because they said, you're going to end up getting killed. And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had sent him at all, had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Had hired him. Do you know that the enemy actually is using people that are being hired to speak against you? Think about it. And that's what I see in our culture right now. There are people who are actually being hired to lie against you. Verse 13. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act the way, that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report, that they might reproach me. My God, remember that Tobiah and Sanballat, according to their works in the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who had made me afraid. So what, the, what we're saying here is there are people who are being purposely lying about you. And what do you do? You follow up Nehemiah's leading. Don't put up with it. Don't give in to it. Okay. 30 more minutes of preaching and five minutes to do it. Here we go. The best thing for us to do is to follow Jesus' instructions. Jesus was concerned about his apostles' transformation of attitudes and values and manner of spirit. After three years of Jesus teaching his disciples, he was headed back to Jerusalem. He was going through an area of the country that they had been through before, the Samaritan area. And this is what happens. Uh, we don't have time to go through all the details, but in uh, Luke chapter 9, 54 through 55, in Luke, uh, the next four chapters, it's amazing to me that Jesus was so patient with these disciples after them following him for three years because of the unbelief that kept popping up. So they're entering Samaritan. Verse 54, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, because he was not accepted at that point. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Well, we're the disciples. We've been walking with Jesus for three years. And we know that in the Old Testament, man, there was a lot of fire that was brought down. 
So Jesus, these guys aren't accepting you. So we as your disciples, do you want us to call down fire? You know, I, I would love to have been there. And to me, I see Jesus going, ay, yay, ay. Well, he was Jewish. Ay, yay, ay, Jewish, you know. I don't know if that's what he did, but he was, he was probably perplexed. You know, you guys have been with me for three years, and you want to call down fire? You, you're not getting the message. You're not prepared for what's coming. And that's why he began to tell them about that he was going to be, the Son of Man was going to be killed. Fifty-five, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Part of being prepared is checking your manner of spirit towards other people. Here's some other examples. Luke 9, 49. They came running to him again and said, Jesus, 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 you know what? There's a guy down the street and he's preaching in your name. And you know what? He's, he's performing miracles and he's casting out demons and he's not one of us. Okay, check your manner, check your spirit. Luke 10, 25. Jesus had to tell them the parable of the Good Samaritan to once again reinstitute to them that no matter who you are and what your stage in life is or what nationality or what political party, you are here to have love for your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Praise God. Luke 11, 1. He got to the point where he said, okay, guys, Come together. i got to teach you how to pray. And he taught them the Lord's Prayer. And what was one of the things that he taught them? To pray agreeing what is already said in heaven. That's otherwise called praying through. You see, when we pray about things, we better check in what is God's intention for this, uh, this situation rather than the fleshly's intention for this situation. That's called praying through. So that's why Jesus taught him how to pray. Understand what the will of God is in heaven first. So with all that we're faced with in society today, we need to pray, Lord, what is your purpose for what's happening today? How do I fit into your purpose? How do I fit into your plans? How do I be prepared to do what you want me to do today? Amen? Jesus went on and said, ask, seek, and knock. You know, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. If you're working for the body of Christ, don't give up. Luke eleven seventeen, 17, kingdom divided will not stand. And saints of the Most High God and those of you watching online, we need to be praying for unity of the body in this nation. We don't have time with the battle station call to have Christians fighting against Christians. We need to be together in unity and to carry on the momentum of what has already begun the last few weeks. Praise God. Okay. Luke 19, 13, he told the parable about occupy till I come. Now, here we are. Preparation is occupying until he comes. Occupy till he comes. No, we're, we're not going to run and start living in a cave. We're going to go back and take back the seven mountains. Amen. 
Finally, um, well, we won't go there because we don't have time. Uh, Galatians 6, chapter three, verses 3 through 5, is all about don't compare yourself to others. You talk about a diversionary tactic? One of the reasons why we have the Valley School of Supernatural Ministry is you will find your identity in VSSM. Not someone else's identity. Oh, when I grow up, I want to be just like Pastor Tim. Well, that's a wonderful goal, but there'll never be another Pastor Tim. I thought I'd hear an amen there. Okay. When I grow up, I want to be just like Pastor Christy. Well, praise God that you want to have her as an example, but you will not be Pastor Christy. You want to be you. The children in VCA, teach them that they are special in the sight of God. They were born for a purpose. God has an intention for their life. And like Pastor Tim says, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Okay. We're going to skip the rest of this message and go to the end. Where's Pastor Where's Jared? Jared is here. If you want to hear more, come on Wednesday nights. Because this, this is the topic that we're dealing with for the next several Wednesday nights. Pastor Retson will be preaching this Wednesday night, speaking this Wednesday night. Hallelujah. And then, starting next week, uh, we're going to do a video series uh, with Wendy Backlund. Wendy Backlund. Last time Wendy was here, we recorded her. She's out on our YouTube site. She's had 17,000 hits. The message that she preached in this church a few years ago. 17,000 hits on YouTube. Why? And she's going to be our video speaker for the next several weeks, talking about the things that we're talking about tonight, how to get on board and be transported into heavenly thinking rather than earthly thinking. Finally, this is where we're going to end. Did you know, did you know that the Old Testament ends where the New Testament begins? Oh, wait a minute, Pastor Rich, you don't know your Bible. There's 400 years difference between there. Malachi, that was 400 years before. Oh, come on, come on. I'm going to read something for you. Hannah, if you got this ready. This is Malachi 4.6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers lest I come and strike earth with a curse. Now let's go to Luke 1.17. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to do what? To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to wisdom, to the wisdom of righteous, to make people a ready Prepared. Say the word. Prepared. Prepared. Message today is prepared. Be prepared. Well, here we go. The last thing in the Old Testament and the first thing in the New Testament is be prepared. And to help turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons. When you go back and look at some of the commentaries on that, most of the commentaries say what's happening here is the fathers represent spiritual headship and the sons represent children 
that culturally are leaving the culture of their father. Okay, everyone who raised their hand a while ago that you're head of a household, stand up. Rick, if you would join us. I've asked Rick to come up and pray for us today. If you're the head of a household, today is the day where the Holy Spirit says, be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. Battle stations. Battle stations. It's time for heads of households to answer the call to battle stations. We are in a battle for the minds, the souls, the hearts of our communities, of our schools, of our children, of our government, the seven mountains that I mentioned earlier. We are in a fight, a battle, battle stations. Be prepared, be prepared, be prepared. And that preparation comes from plugging in to the source because God's answers are a million times more God's answers are much a million times better than man's answers so as Rick prays I want all the heads of household to raise your hands to receive an impartation right now call the call the call the call battle stations. Right now, receive the call to battle stations. That you're not a worm, you're a human being filled with the Spirit of God, ready to take back your community, ready to take back what God has asked you to take charge of. Brother Rick, would you pray? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We know that while the war has been won, the bat, there are still battles that remain, Father. And we ask right now by your Spirit that we be prepared for the battles that you have put uh, in front of us. Not to cause us fear, trepidation, or even moments for pause, but to strengthen us and realize who we are in you as true overcomers. But Father, we ask that it be by your Spirit, not by our own strength, that we do these things, Lord. It comes to remembrance in the Bible, Father, we're reminded where you say it is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so, Father, as a people, as heads of this, of, of our own households, we ask that you would be, uh, your spirit would control us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need to ask you for forgiveness where we've stifled the Holy Spirit, where we've grieved the Holy Spirit, where we've held back from the leading of the Holy Spirit, where we may have even turned off the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, we know that's not entirely possible to turn off the Holy Spirit. We only put our own blockages up, or the enemy puts blockages in. We know that all the time while Holy Spirit dwells within us, He is speaking to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to lead us. He wants to comfort us. He wants to equip us. He wants to prepare us. He wants to direct us. So, Father, I pray right now against any blockages that, ha that are in ourselves, in these heads of households, that are causing us to ignore the Holy Spirit, where we may have ourselves 
tried to flip that switch, turning off the leading, the guiding, the comforting of the Holy Spirit. We remove them now in the name of Jesus, whether that's a love of self, whether it's a love of money, whether it's a love of, of sensual things like lust and so forth, whether we have idols in our life, Father, we pray for a removal by the name of Jesus right now of those things from our lives so that that switch, that flow, uh, that, um, that, uh, that direct connection with you can flow fully like a river. Amen. Father, I pray that if there's been anything that has been causing that blockage to be broken right now, we release your dunamis power in this situation, Father, like dynamite, to break down those things, those those. those those dams that are causing the blockage of your flow. And right now, Lord, we ask for your people, for your heads of the household that are standing now with their arms raised, God. We pray that they'll be in a position with those blockages removed to be able to trust you, to be able to believe you, to be able to receive all that you have to give them, your love, your power, your wisdom, and the fire of the Holy Ghost. And Father, I pray specifically for the wisdom uh, that we heard in the message today by Pastor Rich, that, that wisdom... Uh, that is that is that is uh, results in preparation is not in response to fear it is not in response to unbelief in fact it's quite the obvious wisdom is knowledge applied we're applying your knowledge we're not just knowing your word we're applying your word and so father i end this prayer with a prayer of activation an activation for all those who are standing and have their arms raised right now that we would become beyond hearers of the word as it says in james but that we be doers of the word. And that includes things as we heard today under the anointing of, pa- of your anointing with, through Pastor Rich, to be prepared, to be prepared. Let us do it your way, Father, with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, and yes, with your power. In the name of Jesus, amen. And as you remain standing, Lord, we impart to this group the spirit of Nehemiah. Whew. Receive, receive, receive. That when false accusations and lies were brought against Nehemiah, he said, basically, who are you? I'm here to do the will of God. And we pray your impartation upon all of these household heads that they will do the will of God. And may the doorposts read, as Joshua's did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. Now give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Thank you, Rick. Would the prayer team come up? Prayer team, everyone stand. Keep in mind that we prayed for heads of households. But keep in mind that if you're not a head of a household, someday you may be. But you are head of your own life. And this message is just as much for you as it is for the heads of household. You are going to stand before Jesus someday. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing this message today. And we thank you, Lord, for all that are in attendance. And we pray that prayer that Rick so beautifully prayed and the spirit of Nehemiah will permeate this place Lord let Valley Church be known for wisdom let Valley Church be known for a beautiful balance of spirit and word 
let it go forth from these from these hallowed halls. In Jesus' name.